Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast, a show about people, about process, about technology, about community. It's great conversations with great technologists about things that matter to you, that matter to all of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit gcondemand.io for all of the show notes. And with that, let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to the GC On Demand podcast. Uh, my name is Eric Wright. I'm very happy to be able to be here again with you this week. Thanks very much for listening. Of course, for folks that find us through whatever means, uh, make sure you can drop by gcondemand.io. Uh, you can see all the different show notes and different guests that we've got. And with that, let's get to the important part. Uh, again, you can find me. I'm online. I'm at Disco Posse uh, on Twitter. I'm Disco Posse in the Green Circle community. And with that, I have a special guest who I'm going to welcome today. Phil, let's let's talk about containers. You know, I've I've got containers on the brain lately. We've been we've been doing a lot of stuff around things I've done in the community, around kind of elevating the traditional uh, virtualization admin to take a look at you know containerization and, and what it is and what it means and and where it's really cool. Uh, but Phil, if you want to introduce yourself to the audience, and then we'll talk a bit about what you're doing in the industry and kind of your views on, on what's coming next. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Eric. Um, my name is Phil Estes. Uh, as you mentioned, I employed by IBM for a very long time. I actually came here directly out of college, so I've been doing a, a, a large mix of things over the past 20 years um, with IBM. Um, was in our Linux Technology Center for quite a long time working on Linux distros and, and some virtualization aspects around KVM and packaging and, and small distro uh, activity. But three years ago I came to our IBM Cloud unit. Um, we uh, have a lot of folks in this part of the organization focused on upstream open source, so it seemed kind of a natural flow from my work in our, our Linux Technology Center to do some cool open source stuff on the cloud side. And so um, I guess two, just a little over two years ago, uh, a set of folks at IBM said, hey, this you know container stuff is really taking off. Of course, you know, the interesting twist is that IBM has been interested in the Linux kernel container technology for quite a while and was part of some of the uh, major efforts in the past decade to get things like C groups into the Linux kernel and other low-level features that, um, you know, very interesting tools like Docker and others are built on. So when Docker showed up, and obviously, as we all saw, just kind of a, uh, a, a huge uh, disruption of, of that community and, and the tools that were available, uh, Docker was exciting and had a cute whale logo, which didn't hurt. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so from that, uh, we had several of us from IBM uh, get involved upstream. That's kind of uh, one of the ways that we try and get involved is not come in with uh, necessarily a specific set of line items we want to go work on, but just get active in a community, contribute, fix bugs, uh, learn how to help out. Um, and so two years have kind of flown by, and I've gotten to do some pretty interesting work upstream in the Docker community. 
Uh, we've used that in IBM to build a, a container service on our public cloud, as many other public clouds have done as well. And, you know, today um, my focus still remains pretty low level. I've gotten to do a lot of interesting work in the security area, even though I will quickly uh, claim not to be a security expert, but my work on user namespaces, which is an isolation feature found in the Linux kernel that, that now is exposed in the Docker uh, engine. And uh, other work um, around that has kind of got, given me this interest in both speaking and working on the whole uh, isolation technology around why why is it safe or, or not safe to use containers. Um, and then another big area that I've been working on, um, IBM has a couple sort of non-x86 architectures at the high end. Um, there's obviously a huge community of people in the the embedded space, ARM and Raspberry Pis, uh, trying to get into the container ecosystem. And then obviously a big announcement lately with Microsoft uh, Windows having a container-like feature in their Windows 2016 yes. server. Um, so you add all that together and another interesting space is how do I put images in a registry like Docker Hub that um, could potentially support multiple architectures. Obviously, we don't have any magic to make binaries run cross-platform, although there, there have been some interesting technologies in that space. But this is more about kind of the fat binary concept that uh, OSX had, where you um, can name something with a certain name, but it, in the background, it actually knows which uh, binaries, which layers of the image are for which architecture. So. Anyway, those are two two main areas I've been working in the past year, and uh, which is gotten to do. It's yeah, funny because ahead. if you think about, you know, you've you've hit on stuff. We could literally record for the next seven hours to talk about like just really really neat stuff, Phil. Um, it's you know, IBM as a whole has always been very interesting to me. You know, I have a lot of folks and friends that I know that are that are at the organization, and you look at where it came from. You know, we, we look at virtualization, the idea of centralized computing as far as like, you know, massive virtualized platforms and like, you know, VDI and all these different things. And I, I always laugh, it kind of always harkens back to, oh, yes, that 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 old thing, you know, LPARs and, you know, you, IBM as a leader in, you know, technology R&D, you know, obviously a holder of many, many patents around many things. It's, it's really cool. And people often forget, you know, well, Docker became the juggernaut of the the brand, you know, first, you know, come up with idea, second, come up with cool.io uh, domain name, come up with cool logo, next step, profit, right? <laughs> so, but you look at the hard yards that are being done in the community and, and you talk about a two years, two years of your activity in there. That's, that's really, really cool. You know, now, Phil, when we talk about Security and maybe let's let's pick on that one first. I love how you said I'm I I the first one to say disclaimer not a security expert, but talk about the classic question that people will ask. I'm afraid to use Docker because I've heard it's not secure. How do you approach that question? Yeah, um, and that's a good question for people to ask. Obviously, especially as enterprises try and figure out you know what they're going to do with this whole new container model, 
and the fact that their developers love it and, and everybody seems to love it. Um, for one, it, as with any technology, um, that question has had probably very different answers uh, across the past two years. And so uh, you have a, a technology and, and the wrapping of it in, in an engine uh, two years ago had a lot of potential holes. You had blog posts talking about weaknesses, even in the image layer concept. And, you know, you, we could look at any number of, of areas where there were significant uh, potential holes and security issues. Um, Fast forward to where we are today, it's, it's, uh, it's been, I would say, exciting to see how much focus the area of security has gotten. Um, when, I, when I go and talk about container security, I'm always quick to mention the NCC group's uh, exhaustive document. Uh, Aaron Gratifiori um, is the author of that. Uh, it is a pretty significantly researched a piece of work that looks at all, not just Docker, but all these sort of container engine technologies that exist in Linux and looks at um, basically every aspect of security uh, from, you know, kernel features to things like setcomp um, to uh, image registries uh, and how secure uh, those pieces of the infrastructure are. Um, so I, th I think it's a complicated question, uh, for one, because um, unlike kind of our, our acceptance of, of virtualization and, and the whole VM model over the past uh, decade, uh, people have to relearn the concepts that containers are based on, and that's what I try and do in one of my main talks I've done on container security is go back to, you know, what is a container built from, because if if we understand that and then understand what we're relying on, then we can maybe make a better assessment of what are the trade-offs when I look at a container versus a VM. And I think um, that's the good differentiator. We got to remember that the container as a construct is is the the abstraction that we have to think about, and the what's the advantage or the difference? I would say I perceive as an advantage is that the container construct on top of the you know container runtime engine is always accessible via the api versus traditional virtualization was that was locked out like that was meant to be like you don't you simply buy the web ui or the fat clients and that's how you consume this stuff but the containerization the first thing that was seen was like no no we need to make this programmatically accessible and then the construct of the container itself was developed in order to support thin, agile, quick, you know, run times and, and quick spin up teardown. But, you know, people forget that, you know, you have to explain it VM versus container. And then they get lost in this idea of like, oh, right, there's all that other stuff that comes along with it. The fact that it's, you know, think of the APIs as, as the way in which you're, you're going to consume it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, because maybe in a sense uh, Docker made it easy that, that there has been kind of a, a mystery behind what actually happens when I type Docker run. It was so simple to type Docker run Ubuntu and feel like I'm sort of in my own little Linux system. Yeah, that's right. I am, I am the king of the world. I can do anything with these powers now. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, it, it, I think it's been helpful that 
that uh, there has been a lot more focus to understand uh, what the kernel constructs we're relying on when we do that and what the potential escapes and, and all the new capabilities around you know, app armor profiles and set comp and, and better you know, isolation and, and systems to test that and things like uh, you know, benchmarks and, and other you know, security well, there's a there's a whole security ecosystem that you would expect that's arisen from that with companies like Twistlock and others providing kind of the a similar uh, model that, that you've gotten with other cloud ecosystems, you know, OpenStack and others, where um, having that capability to introspect and understand who has access to what and, and you know, all the things that enterprises are going to want if and when they they come to the container model. What's neat about it, Phil, and you and you've done a really good job. I want to you know thank you for your voice in the community and getting out and and opening the door to that those sort of you know creating transparency about what's happening at those layers. And I remember going to a Docker meetup in San Francisco. And it was a uh, Jerome uh, uh, Petazzoni who was he was there and. It was funny, a lot of people were with me and we went to this Docker meetup and everybody thought like, oh, what are we going to learn today? Like running all this neat stuff on top of, top of Docker. And he literally went from like ground up on how to create a C group, how to, you know, create that first namespace, how to launch a process into it. And he literally showed how Docker was built. And at the end of it, he just went and said, okay, Docker run. That's exactly the same thing we've just done. But it took me, you know, 30 seconds instead of an hour in order to set that up. But it was a really good level set for us as technologists to, to say, like, oh, wow. You know, sometimes it's weird when you're like, you don't necessarily want to go in the weeds and, and hack it out of the command line. But it was it was good that in an hour he could cover what was happening, why it was a problem that was being solved by containers and, and why Docker's choice of the solution was and then illustrating literally in a few seconds, here's how Docker does it. Now, you know, go forth and, and you can do the next steps by yourself, which was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerome has been um, providing that that talk and that layer of detail for a while, and definitely some of what I've done is patterned after um, some of the work he's done there. And, and yeah, like you say, it's, it's a great exposure, especially to especially to technologists um, to see and understand and there have been some other blog posts even in the past six months um, about you know write a container in a hundred lines of go um, I know uh, Liz Rice took that concept at Container Camp UK and actually did it live on stage kind of that same model of okay now I'm creating the mount namespace and and the network namespace and here's how all that works so so yeah, it's definitely definitely good to remove the black box uh, and and make sure that everyone understands uh, you know what what features these are built on because that that makes for better understanding of of uh, you know what Docker's value is and and even you know beyond Docker the you know LXC and LexD have been doing this uh, for years and, and Rocket um, you know that the, these are the constructs that when we say container, this is what these uh, engines are doing for us. I'll ask you, if you don't mind, you know, what are your thoughts around the, the open container initiative and its effect on the the overall, you know, industry <clears throat> around containers and, and being able to, you know, standardize on, you know, 
a spec that may not necessarily line up with everyone's goal. However, it's a good central goal to go for, I believe. You know, I've, I've talked with Alex Polvey in the past, of course, you know, founder and, and CEO of CoreOS and, and his impetus to kind of create this generic standard. And with Docker and with Rocket and with LXC and, and, and whatnot, sort of feeding this ecosystem, uh, OCI had a challenge in being able to try and rapidly catch up to where everybody was and then create a, a standard that would be common, usable, and would solve a challenge that we have in in general in the technology. Do you do you see some? What's your thoughts, Phil? Like, is it good? Is it bad? Or not even that, but like, you know, how do you feel the next little while is going to look for for the OCI group? Yeah, um, <clears throat> definitely. I th I think there is value, um, especially just what we've been saying. There there are a set of constructs that that every engine uh, that you know calls itself a container executor has been you know relying on it and even if we look at, at Cloud Foundry which people don't necessarily think of as a container engine but underneath that you know they've been using those same namespaces and C group concepts uh, before um, I, I believe before Docker was around they, they had those same constructs um, so ha you know IBM is definitely a big proponent of inter interoperability whether we're talking about OpenStack or Cloud Foundry or, or the container runtimes. Um, so we've been a, a, definitely a fan of the work in OCI, understanding that it's challenging work, that um, it is an incredibly fast-growing space and that uh, no one wants to sort of be left behind uh, without some piece of, of what's perceived as, as a... a uh, big pot of container uh, yeah. excitement <laughs> that no one wants to be left out of. So, um, you know, it, it has its challenges, but I think, um, you know, the fact that we even have Cloud Foundry involvement is, is pretty neat because, you know, their ability to rely on the same basic runtime and spec as Docker and, and other executors that might come along means... Um, you know, Cloud Foundry could have that same capability of hand me an OCI compliant spec, and I can run it just as well as as any other OCI compliant runtime, such as Run C under the Docker engine. Yeah, and um, I think what's what, when we look at people that are fresh to open technologies and open standards, they get a little bit worried and lost when they see some of this stuff go on, and you know, having a lot of folks in the community that I know and, and having come out of, you know, sort of the VMware infrastructure land for quite a while, uh, also doing Hyper-V and other things, those, you know, closed ecosystems, you never really had to think about what other standards would mean to it because you just, you consumed one type of technology and that was it. But then when I spent a lot more time in OpenStack and, and started to really dive a lot more in the open technologies, it was funny how, it was tough to explain to people that never really looked at it because it feels like we're fighting, right? <laughs> As open standards, it feels like there's this like little mini war going on. You're like, no, 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 it's about interoperability, as you mentioned, so that everybody is able to create something where we could have the potential to carry workloads around and, and know for a fact that it's going to behave a certain way if you launch whatever it is in whatever, you know, abstraction layer. So, you know, Phil, do you ever find that, when you're sort of talking to traditional virtualization admins or or server admins, they kind of 
they give you the cut eye, like, you know, I don't know, you, you all on the open side seem like you're doing too much too fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there's definitely that sense. Um, and like you just said, I think, um, there's somewhat of a, of a learning curve with these, you know, standards activities and, and how valuable is this and why are we all doing this? Um, but I, I think, I think it can only improve what what Docker's um, main tenant is: the build, ship, and run. Um, you know, a standardized shipping container has been their metaphor since day one, and having an actual standard for for that specified out in a way that that there can be many implementers uh, should only you know benefit the overall ecosystem, including Docker and all their both open source and commercial interests, and, and IBMs, and CoreOS, and everybody else. So, so yeah, we we see it as valuable in that sense of of a truly you know standardized shipping container that everybody can build on their specific strengths and value add layers. Um, but that that really we believe will have great value for. Um, for the kinds of people that, that really will have to deal with hybrid and complex environments where they can't count on, you know, having a single vendor for, for every piece of it. And I think the, you know, the next generation, you know, the, the, the folks that have come into, you know, the technology industry without having to have the baseline infrastructure, they have no history. You know, we, I was, you know, joke, people say, they talk about legacy IT, or as we call it, IT, right? Like it's some of us call it legacy, some of us call it production. <laughs> we we've got to be careful, and also this the fear that you know if you're brand new and you only want to spin up cloud native, you know, cloud first type of architectures. Of course, it's it's obviously why would you use containers and PaaS on a cloud or whatever. But for the rest of the you know purchasing industry, which is you know, trillions of dollars, as they always talk about this addressable market. We have to bridge that gap for them now and sell them. Well, here's what you use today, and here's how you can make containers a part of your IT portfolio. When you talk to folks, Phil, who do you who do you think gets it the most? Is it you know the is it executive management, operations admins? Obviously, developers tend to lean in on this stuff, but who do you think really kind of already gets it and who do you think is going to drive this next wave of adoption in, in containers? Yeah, so so like you said, I mean, the, the driving factor for these first few years has definitely been the developer who are just, you know, who love the fact that, that especially its impact, I think, on the development and CI process is, is well understood that, you know, packaging my app with its dependencies, uh, tossing it over on a, on a CI server, it runs uh, effectively the same way as it did on my laptop. We can go through staging. Um, so developers are getting it, obviously. And I think, you know, the next uh, the next level of customers that, that we've talked to uh, are doing some of this hybrid model where, you know, it's like, okay, that, that crazy old database that you guys sold us 20 years ago, it's working fine. <laughs> There's no way we're going to put that in a container and try and, and revamp that whole model. But hey, our, our website is this you know Node.js React thing, and it's so easy to package, and our developers were already using that for testing. 
Um, <clears throat> so I think we'll we'll see a mix of that, where kind of the architects and and IT leaders are are seeing the value for their development teams, and we'll try and uh, you know have that that multiplicity of sort of solutions in their production environment. Uh, but it, it's really interesting to see you know big enterprises like ADP get on stage at, at DockerCon in Seattle and, and talk about being all in on containers. Um, I know we have um, some federal government uh, customers who are already, you know, saying, hey, come, come, come show us uh, yeah. this wonderful world of containers. Uh, we have people here who believe it's wh where we have to go next. And if you uh, think but, about the, the, the kind of organizations that tended to be the, the laggards on the adoption curve, like federal government or agencies always felt like they were on the other side of that downhill adoption. But it seems to me, Phil, and, and you've kind of sort of, you know, they're like, they're, they're looking forward, which is great. So that tells me is when I talk to any other traditional virtualization, I've been, look, look, if your federal government or agencies are looking this way, <laughs> we'd be silly not to educate ourselves on how we can use this well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, uh, you know, we've seen a big transformation of, of that whole federal side of the business in the last two years. First of all, lots of interest in open source and FedRAMP and then the government clouds. Um, yeah, so it's been interesting to see the uh, the people we always assumed would be, you know, a decade behind really pushing forward. Uh, and, and, you know, with large enterprises like ADP and some of the things that they've been talking about, it's it's clear that um, in a in a world of everyone digging for you know the next bump in speed and efficiency, it seems like containers has come kind of at the right time. Even if we all agree that that the technology has kind of been latent and existent for a while, the 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 timing as always seems to be key for you know all of a sudden everyone's ready for for that to be the the next shoe that fits you know technology wise. Do you think that the the choices available to us will? Uh, I know it's hard to say this. I, I don't want to say slow the adoption, but they'll because it's coming. Like it definitely, people are are, are adopting that they'll slow to standardize inside organizations because with the virtualization, you kind of had one one camp you fell in. You know, early adopters were VMware folks, and they. If they were Windows shops, they tended to latch on nicely. They were comfortable with it. You know, Microsoft Hyper-V, we used to kind of chuckle, you know, because like, oh, remember that time at Blue Screen when Bill Gates gave a demo? You're like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> nine years ago, yes, they've they've innovated since then, right? And in the meantime, <laughs> Hyper-V is a major player, you know, and but again, sort of single-focused. If you're a Microsoft-centric shop, it made sense to, to go that way. Now, when we take a look at containers, Obviously, Docker is the name that drips off the tongues of most because it's the first one they recognize. But you think of Docker, Rocket, LXC, and LXD. Like that's. Do you think, Phil, that it, people are already walking in and feeling a little bit of, you know, I don't know which way to go, even though they haven't started? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think we're in a period of, of um, some amount of confusion. I think it was. Brian Cantrell, it was he was at some conference and tweeted about, "Have we reached peak confusion yet?" <laughs> uh, and the response was, "No, there's still more to go." Um, 
but yeah, so so I think that's going there. There is potentially a bit of hesitation right now, waiting to see kind of where the where the different players fall. I've, a lot of the focus, as I'm sure you're aware, is is almost more on the orchestration side. You know, is Docker with Swarm mode or or Kubernetes using Docker or other engines underneath of it going to be kind of the the way for enterprises to go. And uh, you know, to be honest, at IBM, we're we're looking at both those worlds and, and doing our own research and trying to understand um, is this something where where both will be viable in the long term, and it just depends on specific customer needs. So, so yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, especially for someone walking in the door who hasn't even heard of, of containers uh, barely. Uh, it's a it's a hard time for you know. A, an IT shop to, to figure out what their option what their best option is. Um, I hope I hope there's some settling because uh, you know these aren't only technology choices. They're open source projects and there's emotion and ownership, you know, right. behind all that. Um, so you know I, I think we see that in all major open source projects. There's um, you know bumps along the way as as people try and figure out you know who who quote unquote wins, but in the end, I think uh, there are lots of smart, you know, engineers from all over the the uh, the world working on on this technology, and I think uh, I think we'll see some of that uh, settle down, and I think we'll um, we'll see pretty significant adoption of of containers. What form that takes, and sort of what your options are, may change uh, here and there, but I, I I'm fairly certain that that uh, good solutions will be available that make sense for for enterprises for you know small and medium business owners but I you know I, I guess I'm pretty positive and and uh, optimistic that, that uh, you know it's not that this isn't the end of all things with you know arguments and debates about kubernetes and swarm etc yeah my my thing I said when when Rocket initially launched, and there's a lot of, you know, it's always fun. You've got like CRN and the Register, which are like the Us Magazine and TMZ of, of our industry. <laughs> <laughs> they just look for some, you know, Kardashian-style controversy they can create in technology. And they that it was this whole thing of like, oh, ooh, you know, you see what they did. And like, and people are like, well, what do you choose and who's going to win? And I said, do you know who wins when we have competitive you know, platforms in open source, everybody, because it, it forces all of us to get towards a standard potentially, and also to continue to innovate. And so I, I definitely, I like that there's contention because it ultimately, it is regression to the mean, you know, as, as, as much as any one standard, you know, or one platform may seem to take us, it really will align with business, because as it becomes more powerful, it will get adopted by real organizations and used by real technologists to solve business problems. And no matter what it uses, if it's doing that, that's a standard unto itself. You know, I feel that the the competitiveness is good because it helps to keep that honest. You know, if Docker had been the only one that landed and ran right to the finish line, you know, and they ran the marathon with no competitors, it would have probably had less innovation because they wouldn't have to have other folks sort of saying, Ooh, we're trying something neat over here and it's working. So it's, 
you know, as a fan of open open ecosystems, I, I you know I welcome a little bit of competition, but it's challenging at, at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but fully agree that that these kind of competitive um, situations definitely sharpen sharpen uh, all sides to uh, to innovate to even even sharing. I mean, the the ideas that are being implemented are, are not are not are not you know, behind closed doors, there. I mean, as you know, I mean the, the explosion of GitHub projects that that you know, almost anything you want to do, there's a library that someone's written to do that, and so the, the amount of sharing even in these communities is 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 good to see as well. Yeah, if you look at as a as a you know a consumer of technology, any any IT shop has to at least be able to like the fact that they can see it all happening and unfolding before their eyes. They don't have to wait for it to suddenly be a, a launch day and a PDF brochure from their usual vendor. Because what's even cooler is that, you know, obviously with you, with yourselves and your you know your team at IBM and and folks at at Microsoft, as you said, you know, we've got containers on Server 2016. We've got you know VMware about to really sort of land 1.0 of the vSphere integrated containers. Like these are real options on your platform of choice. And then that evolves and, and elevates all of us in IT. So it's it's pretty cool to, to watch it occur. And so one last thing, Phil, you know, if you had to give advice to, you know, I, I would sort of say like the the admins, the, the, the technologists today who are thinking about containers and getting themselves educated on it. What's the right way to get started? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, I think one one great way is to uh, to really dig in to understand the technology. I mean, I, I that that seems vague, but you know, when I when I'm asked to help out and I you know, someone shows me a Docker file, kind of their first attempt at containerizing, you know, their application. Um, I get the sense that a lot of people are skipping that that fundamental concept of what what is a container. They're they're treating it like an operating system where they can run cron and SSHD and and you know a bunch of things that they kind of expect from from their former you know VM world or or uh, virtualization struct structure that they operated in. Right. Um, so I think you know one great thing is is really there's lots of great resources out there, lots of great talks from almost any major conference um, to really truly really kind of understand um, you know what what do I have when I have a container? What 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 does it mean that I have a container? And then I think the next step is it. Given it's going to be a shift, we all understand it's a shift in mindset. I think it's also a great time to really start to look at all the great content that really is somewhat agnostic about the the container runtime, but the whole microservices architecture, twelve factor, you know, stateless apps. You know, if, if that's also an area that's new, uh, I think learning both at the same time hopefully gives. Um, you know, developers and admins, kind of the right mindset for as they as they move to this new model. What do I actually want to do beyond just you know taking blob A and moving it into new technology as blob B? 
Uh, right. Yeah. Evolve so ourselves as well as the tech, you know, as we look at the technology, don't just take what we did before and do it in a, on a different platform, but take what we did before and rethink what we're trying to achieve. Right. Right. So Phil, you know, you've, you've done a lot of speaking. I would definitely, I'll encourage folks to, you know, Google out. You've done some great talks at a lot of open conferences. Uh, so again, you know, people should definitely take a look. You've got some stuff on YouTube. There's, there's other, you know, you've published presentations and, and whatnot. Where, uh, what's the easiest way for folks to get a hold of you if they wanted to sort of carry on the conversation and talk a little bit more about containers and, and the stuff you're working at uh, at IBM? Yeah, so uh, definitely you can. I, I try and share almost all my content uh, posted on on Twitter. So Estes P, last name and first initial. Um, I I post slides to SlideShare under Phil Estes. Uh, my blog is integratedcode.us. I try and publish something monthly. That's um, usually I, I my eyes are bigger than my stomach as far as I have a great idea for a blog post and then it turns into weeks of, of research <laughs> in my spare moments to, to get it right. But I, I try and do fairly meaty, you know, low-level uh, content, which may not be for everyone, but I think for people that, that want to dig into the Docker engine or, or container runtimes, um, I try and make it useful. So those are a few spots. Um, uh, definitely... If you're at uh, a conference uh, where I'm speaking, I think uh, we've got OpenSAC Barcelona coming up soon, and I also uh, managed to get a birds of a feather at DevOx in Belgium in November. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed um, the ability to share some of what I've learned in the past two years uh, with folks, so yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's as important. You know, I, I and the community thank you for, for doing that part of it, because community... And open source isn't just about code, it's about experience sharing, because that's as important as as we look to take on a new technology or new method to solve a, a problem. It's good to have folks that have walked that path before us, and, and it's nice that you, you share those experiences. And, and, and all of us as technologists, I think we've got to remember that you know, contributing code isn't the only way you can add value to an open source platform. Uh, it's documentation. There's lots of other ways to do it. And we, you know, as my, my friend Chris Wall always says, iron sharpens iron, right? That we, we all get better by, you know, elevating ourselves and each other. So it's, it's good to see that you're a part of that. So again, I'll, I'll, I'll recommend folks definitely, if you're at a conference and you see Phil speaking, Get yourself in that seat because it's it's a worthwhile chat every time. And with that, thank you very much, Phil. And uh, hopefully, I'll I'll send some Twitter traffic your way. And and it's been good. And then hopefully, you know, again, we'll we'll have you on in the future, and we'll talk about kind of the next generation as we see the OCI spec 1.0 land. It's at RC right now, uh, at the time we're recording this. So it'll be neat to see maybe in a couple of months and and as that evolves and and what those next sort of things look like as we head into 2017. Yep, that sounds great. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. Good stuff. Great. Thanks, Bill. If you like what you heard here and want to hear much more, don't forget to subscribe to the GC On Demand podcast. You can go to gcondemand.io where you'll find the links in order to catch us in iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and more. So go to gcondemand.io. Don't forget to rate us in your podcaster of choice and look for much, much more. Have a show idea? 
Tweet us at GC On Demand. Thanks for listening.